Blog Talk Radio. This week's Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio to start your free trial membership. Here we go! Broadcasting live from Epic Puzzles and Games. Surrounded by games, dice, cards, miniatures, puzzles, and more. Don't make me destroy you. Geek-a-chic and pandemonium reigns supreme. Is it better to be feared or respected? And I say, is it too much to ask for both? Your host, Revan, a wizard, is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means A guy named Joe. Oh, yeah! The great and mighty Lord Magu. <coughs> As a result... You may have heard we're going to phase out human testing. And... Firebird. Has she got a set of fangs on her or what? Discuss everything you need to know about the world of deep. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. So grab your staff, throw on your cape, tighten up your utility belt, and roll your 20-sided dice. Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Welcome. We made it. That was the old intro. Sorry about that. Welcome to Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where if it sounds echoey, it's because we are back in the dungeon. Yes. Literally. We are back within the confines of the catacombs, which we are most comfortable in. We're, in fact, in a keep, in the dungeon of a keep. So, yeah, something like that. Kind of, kind yeah. of like for, for for a dragon, perhaps. Maybe N- something. Uh, something. Okay. Very possibly. We're we're, we're somewhere. Anyway, we welcome, somewhere. welcome, welcome uh, to our our show. You know, hello. I know last week we reported we were having a twofer tonight. Well, unfortunately, we we had a we had a we had a cancellation. Yeah. Someone someone called in with the sniffles. Um, so we had a, we had someone a was a had to deal with the plague. So. Uh, Gotta enjoy the plague. Yeah. So uh, we will still have uh, author Aaron Evans on the show tonight uh, talking about <clears throat> um, her new book, The Adversary, which is the third book in the Sundering series. So uh, that was, was a pre-recorded interview, so we will go off the air why, uh, and let that play. So. No, the show isn't going off. The show is going. Yeah, yeah. But we We're, will be we'll, we'll be here. We will still be here. Yes, we'll, we'll come back after that. We're just... It's not going to be live like we normally do. Yeah. So, uh, not like we did last week. No, 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 no. I that mean, was, last week. Last week, you know, I do have to say though. So last Monday, you know, uh, Chris brought someone on, an author, got his name right. We all gave him props for it, and then he botched the name in the video. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. 
His name is Jason A. Anderson, and you called him James A. Anderson. I think I probably did and didn't really care. <laughs> it, it was kind of, it's just like I was watching and reading. I'm like, what? what? Well, you have our thing. You know, to be Joe, Joe is, is, you know, get more from your games. Yeah. Mine is, is hopelessly hitting on the Internet. And and uh, and 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 uh, Chris's is uh, is getting names wrong. Hey, okay, I've got to do something well, and I'm doing that pretty well. <laughs> you are, you're but, consistent. Yeah, you know, and and I, I I don't know I don't know what your thing is uh, yet, uh, Rev, but uh, you've got something. I know I know there's there's something about you, but it's just I, it's hard to put my finger you on it. You got something, and I don't want your, it. Your yeah, stick. <laughs> my stick. You got your yeah. It makes things work. <laughs> your stick is to make things work. I get interviews. I don't know. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. So uh, one exciting thing that happened last weekend that we announced, uh, kind of talked about it a little bit on Thursday, is Salt Lake Comic Con mm-hmm. was so big that they've decided to do it twice a year. Now, it's not really the Comic Con twice, but it's Salt Lake Comic Con, the fan experience. So what they're going to do is they want to grab a particular TV show, and then get everyone they can from it. Yeah. So, like, Star Trek Next Generation, they're going to have Brent Spiner, Marina Spirits, uh, Michael Dorn, and, uh, of course, you know, uh, Wesley Crusher himself, Will Wheaton. Uh, someone else will be announced shortly. Oh, boy. I can't say it on the air. Um, but he can tell us and not... But it will be you. big. And so then we'll then we'll be like all excited you know. and be like, oh, we know something um, but you know, and one then one guy who wore the red shirt. You know, and then so Carl, Carl and Daryl from Walking Dead is going to be there, and it sounds mm-hmm. like uh, uh, possibly Rick might be showing. And up. and it also sounds um, like uh, like a member of the Firefly. Oh, it's already announced. A M- member so, of Serenity uh, is yeah, uh, joining yeah. us. Uh, Adam Baldwin Adam will Baldwin. be showing up. So if they've got one, I'm sure going to go after the rest. Or or well, was he NSA or CS, uh, CS or CIS? I can't remember. In in Ooh. check CIA. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. He was NSA on Chuck? Oh, okay. I don't know why you're coming in. Like, you're not coming in at all now. Did you turn it on or off? Or um, j- Jiggle your mic cord. Jig- oh, yeah, there you oh go. jiggle it. Hello. Ah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Hello. Can yeah, everybody hear me yeah. now? Be, be careful when that you're holding weird. that mic. That one yeah, has that a very is. loose connection. Yes, yeah. that mic does. Well, I kind of have to pull it next to me. Okay. So I'll just hold it so, here. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know. That's the reason why I insist on the elbow mic stand. Yeah, until, I know. Until that dies. Until it dies. But yeah. I will. I will put. I will do coke. Can, I will do the uh, the coke can method on this thing. To okay. Keep, keep working. All right. <laughs> so it, it it'll be exciting. So that's going to happen in April, uh, and then again, uh, Comic Con will be back in September. Mm-hmm. So uh, next year is going to be really busy for us as far as the con. Really season. busy. Yeah. So that it shall and that will, it should be. As we get closer to the end of the year, we'll be announcing that. Uh, we're going to have some fun shows coming up. So Thursday, uh, we will have author A.E. Rott coming on the show to talk about her new book, which we missed. And you want to know what? As we're talking here, I completely forgot, since we crashed and burned for a second there. To add, it was uh, yet another moment of silence for all the fallen noobs. Yeah. That's, that's what we do. I forgot to add Firebird on. So I'm gonna, let me do that. Yeah, we were actually just in the middle of talking with her, and then it just crashed. Yeah, and then it went kaboom. And it's going to crash again yes. in three. You probably didn't even notice because no, we were so boring. Uh, probably. Don't even. Yeah. What can I say? I, am, say. I, I, have, I have had, like, Is right, Firebird back? right now, like... Yes! Hey! Yeah. Okay. So, Firebird okay. should have been here on Thursday's show. Okay. Because the author of the book 
one of the main kind of mythical creatures in this book was a firebird. Ah. I know. They had a sunstone. And the whole, it's called the Elemental series. So there's no dragons, but there are elemental creatures. So the closest thing to a dragon is something that looks very reptilian, but it's all fire. So, yeah. So it's a fire lizard! Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Sounds like my new heavy metal band. I'm going to make it up right now. Fire lizard? Yeah, fire lizard, spelled L-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-D. Lizard. Lizard. I give it all five stars. Five stars. (laughs) Five stars and a monkey wrench. True. Hey, it better... We lo- we lost you. We lost you. Yeah. Oh no. Nope. Still lost yeah. you. Lost Burning. Oh, uh, Chris, the intern has broke the mic. No. It, yep. It, yep no, the it, mic was already broken. Oh, he he's just taking it from its final. Uh, he, he it's it's dead now. <laughs> it, no, it's dead. No, it's still gone. Hello. There you go. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I had actually turned it off by accident. Oh, so. okay. You know, it might it might That's help a little get, bit if you raise it up a little bit. I think that one will look close to make it higher. Yeah, but instead of holding onto the mic or holding onto the mic, you could hold the mic whatever yeah, and then to that, that, that way fun. you're not disrupting the the, the very cable. tentative connection yes. that the cable has. The try- mojo. Yeah. <laughs> the show is <laughs> That's mojo. The word for it, I guess. <laughs> All right, and then next Monday uh, we will have Emma Newman coming in. And then we move into December. I, yes, uh, it, it's yeah. that close. Dude, it, that, this year has just flown uh, on by. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Uh, uh, yeah. So, and then this, December's looking pretty good, to be honest. Um, I'm trying to pull this up real quick. We are we are wild and crazy and what, busy you need, uh, trying to get as gangbusters. All right, so <laughs> we're, December. We're gangbusters on December. Gangbusters on December. So December... Uh, <laughs> We start, we start the first Monday off with Rather Dashing Games coming about, talk, talking about their awesome games to kick oh, off the holiday awesome. season. That was, uh, hey, cool! I can talk to Grant or talk to talk to Mike and them and see if I can get a new uh, sticker sheet for sticker my sheets, uh, yeah. for my uh, dice because I've used that. I have played, played the game so much that, that game away. so much that like the only way we can tell what rolls is just by looking at the color and be like, oh, it's orange. You got iron. Nice. So. And then we'll follow up uh, Monday the 9th with Matt Hill coming in, and then uh, the 16th of December, uh, Craig Nibel. And then, of course, the 23rd, we're not going to be doing a show because it's the, day, the day, it's the day before the day before Christmas, so we're just not going to do a show. Yeah. We'll have a best of. And then the next day is the day before Christmas Eve or, or New Year's Eve, so yeah. we'll probably not do. Well, and it's my birthday, so I'm not coming in. No, it's the 30th. I thought That's my birthday. I thought, it was on the, I thought you were 31st. No. Oh, see, I get this all the time. For those Everyone. of you on the internet now, Revan's birthday is the 30th. <laughs> send him a recent send, send yeah. your birthday, uh, send your, uh, your, uh, condolences. your birthday cards. And my condolences. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's like two-thirds of the way to uh, be able to steal his identity. So Hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> his mother's maiden name is... Oh. <laughs> is... Farfetchamaka. There you go. No, I... I that's like soon dead and gonna bite it. You know, <laughs> what we're, we're talking about that. I have to say, the worst names ever is just weird. I had the opportunity to speak with someone that has the worst name ever. That they they said their last name, and I had to say, "Excuse me, 
I don't know. I, I know somebody with probably the worst name. Because it sounded like that fat girl. No. Was her last name. Nope. But nope. it was like the Fachimago. Nope. Or the nope. Fachigo. <laughs> I know somebody, like, I know somebody right. with their last name is... It's not inappropriate, right? Takashita. <laughs> but it's spelled... Wow. It's spelled S-H-I-T. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, that's up. Ah, Umari Sakashita. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah that's so, a... there you well, go. Well, at least their name's not Ima. No. Because that was bad. There was one little kid that was named something that nobody knew how to pronounce. And the state said it was so bad they had to change it. Wow. They said, we will not accept it on the birth certificate. You huh. have to give it something somebody can actually name. Wow. So, or, or pronounce. Crazy. Well, uh, let's do this. Let's jump into the interview with uh, Aaron Evans. Yes, it's just me. Yes, the audio sounds a little funky. Uh, I have to say this out loud right, right now the no, on the internet publicly. Great. Skype sucks. I mean, the, new, the new update wow. flat out sucks. Uh, and, and I say this because... With all the love in his heart. And well, Skype feed just drops and, right and, and now. And now, now I'm like thinking about completely this. Deletes our, they completely delete our, uh, our, 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 our accounts, and you're, you're dead again. <laughs> well, I'm just dead again, but yeah. that's, that's so, going to be normal. So this is what happened earlier. So I, I run the interview. Audio was clear, beautiful, and I was, it was great. But Skype made this update that you actually have to physically go in and change the USB settings. Where in the past, you know, when I plugged in my headset or I plugged in the soundboard, it's automatically changed those. Well, now the new one, you have to physically go in and change that. If you don't, the audio comes out kind of squirrely. The audio is a little squirrely. Sorry, folks. But now we know. But it was still an amazing interview. Great. Aaron is amazing. Uh, so we'll let you listen to this. We'll come back. And then... Uh, it's about a 50-minute interview, so we're going to be gone a while. So uh, Firebird, you can put it on mute, chill, you know. Go put on, a, go put on your Oingo Boingo. Of course, <laughs> yeah, you should. Yeah, go yeah. running around, you know, and co- no, you, in internet, Old Republic. You listen to this. You listen to this internet song that I don't know the name of. Firebird, you <laughs> can just you can just chillax and all right. Yeah. So internet, listen, love it, and we're going to quiz you afterwards, and then. Should we have a quick word from one of our sponsors? And your thing's dead again. Um, no, because they're in it. Oh, so okay. we'll be back. Oh, you already did it? Oh, dude, I was plugging stuff left and right what, in it, the man. middle of the interview. All so, right. All right. We we'll be you. back. Greetings, everyone. This is Revan with Dungeon Crawlers Radio, and I am have the opportunity to sit with the amazing and talented... Erin M. Evans. Now, for those of you that don't know who Erin is, she is with Wizards of the Coast. She's been writing the Forgotten Realms novels. Uh, she has written The Godcatcher, Brimstone Angels, Brimstone Angels, Lesser Evils, as well as the short story Resurrection Agent, which is featured in the Realms of the Dead anthology. And she is currently, her new book is The Adversary, that's part of the Sundering series with Wizards of the Coast. So, um, before we jump into all this, Aaron, I, I want to ask the question, and that is, what is it like being the only girl 
at the table with all of these amazing writers, with you know Bob, um, Ed Greenwood, Paul Kemp, Richard Lee Byers. And what was that like? I mean, there, there are parts of it that you'd think would matter and don't at all. Um, the other authors are wonderful. They don't. They should be like, you know, one of the group, which is, you know, really humbling and amazing when you're talking about Ari Feldor and Ed Greenwood and Brendan Ning and, and Paul Kemp and, and Richard Lee Byers. These guys have been at this for a lot longer than I have. Um, you know, they and they're, I mean, they're just wonderful. Um, in other ways, it was a little bit frustrating. I get, when they first announced the names, I was really nervous because I know I'm the new one. I'm the one who wrote for fourth edition. Um, I'm, I'm the girl. So uh, I was kind of trepidatious about what the response would be. And, and the vast majority of it was wonderful. But uh, there were definitely people who, who said, why isn't she Elaine Cunningham? And it always struck me that I think Elaine is a phenomenal author and, um, you know, she has her own projects going on um, that everybody should check out. But, you know, nobody ever said, why isn't Richard Lee Byers Elaine Cunningham or um, something like that, right? There's, there's this sense that you are there because you're the girl. You're there because they need a lady. Uh, and that, that doesn't happen. I, I wouldn't say that's the, the majority of people, but when it pops up, it's, it's – it's sort of frustrating because you can't argue people out of that. Um, I always joke if, you know, if female realms authors are like Highlander, there can only be one. Because I know every other woman I know who writes for the realms has had the same experience, either at Gen Con or at Wizards of the Coast event, where if you stand still for too long next to, you know, another author or, or the Wizards, someone will come up and ask you if you are Arlene. Um, because she's, you know, She's been at it for so long, and she's the one you know, every, the lots of people want to meet. Um, but, you know, Julie Johnson has experience, and Susan Morris has experience, and Rosemary Jones has experience, and it's, just, it's kind of funny, eventually. I mean, I, I, I do think it's kind of, uh, you know, too bad that some people are kind of, you know, asking, you know, why isn't Elaine sitting there uh, at the table, you know, with these guys. Um, but... You know, I do think you've earned a seat at that table. I mean, just the quality of writing that comes out of your books. Yeah. Uh, so I, I you know, it's just amazing that you know people kind of do that. But you know, I, I do know that Elaine, you know, has kind of put herself in the Forgotten Realms really well. But I think they really do need to kind of give you a fair shot there, just because I think you've done a great job and earned your place there at the table with all these great writers. Thank you. I mean, I, I, I want to make sure it's clear that, like, being compared to Elaine is, is, is an honor of itself. Like, she's a brilliant writer. Um, and I, I, this is, like I said before, this is a very kind of humbling experience that, that, that I've been included in this. And I really, you know, appreciate the opportunity and, and the fact that I got to write this book that, that it didn't work out so well as far as my storyline goes. Um, so, yeah, I hope... I hope I hope that gets more people reading my books and, and feeling like this is another piece of the realm for them. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I kind of saw that you used to be an editor for Wizards of the Coast. Yes. Okay. So um, what made you change from being an editor to writer? Uh, well, I started writing for um, Forgotten Realms uh, when they were doing the Ed Greenwood Presents Waterdeep series. Uh, they were doing a limited call, which is where you send out um, information to a, a set of authors um, and have them audition for a book. 
so you, you pick out specific people that you think could do the book, and then of those pitches, you choose you know the number you need. And you always want to pick more, have more authorization than you actually need, just in case somebody's not really getting the idea, or they don't turn in a, a, a pitch or something like that. So um, the other, the other forgotten world editor, Susan Morris, um, came around to me and said, you know, I need one more person for this. And she read some samples of my personal work and, and said, do you want to try out for one of these books? Um, and I had, I had a kind of a cool idea I was excited about. So I pitched the Godcatcher. Um, and they really liked it. Uh, because I was an employee, they had to kind of justify the fact that um, they actually you know, liked the book and they were just going, oh, this is my friend, so I want to give him a book. So I, I think I had to go up against, they had to do another call and I ended up, you know, having to compare like nine other books. So it took a while before they said, yes, yes you can write it. Um, but I don't know, I always said I was more of a, a writer who edited than an editor who wrote. Um, that, that the way, I feel like the way I write informs the way I edit in a lot of ways. Um, it, and then, you know, after, I worked there for four years, and then I was laid off for, um, they were cutting a head count. So now I don't edit for them because I don't work there. <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, really, uh, I, you know, that, that is interesting um, that you did, even being an employee, still had to kind of go through those hoops. So uh, let's kind of switch, switch gears here. Um, can you kind of tell us about your signature character, the, the tiefling, uh, I'm going to botch your name, Farida, for, uh, yeah, maybe a, you can clarify on that, but you know, kind of give us a little bit of info on, on her and what she's like. It's Farida. It rhymes with fajita. <laughs> oh, okay, that's that's really easy to do. Fajita, I love them. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, this this book is interesting to me because I um, some big things happened very early on, so I hesitate to to get into too much detail because I feel like it, it sort of spoils the moment. Yeah, but that's fair enough. Early on, Frida makes a decision trying to protect people she cares about, and it goes horribly awry, um, and she ends up. Uh, helping or be, kind of being made to help a Netherese uh, wizard who okay. is, has a kind of a strange prison internment camp thing happening, and it's not it's not entirely clear what's going on or or what she's really doing by helping him, um, but she's trying to hold up you know her promises and, and sort of overhead you have the the big events of the Sunray you have you know Shar kind of machinations through through Netheril and through the City of Shade. Um, and then you have uh, the, the Nine Hells and Asmodeus on the other side and the way that this, these gods are sort of oh, wow. countering each other by filtering down and, and their, their worshippers and, and agents are kind of working around each other. Um, so I feel like my book, there's not, you know, the same sort of big event um, that happens in, in the Companions or the Godborn in some ways. But you get a better sense, I think, of, of the way that the gods are functioning through their their worshippers. I think. <laughs> so, are you finding that people are identifying with the tiefling character? I mean, you know, kind of parallel to to Bob's, uh, you know, Dritz. Uh, I think kind of fits in the same kind of category where you know tieflings are kind of have been viewed in previous editions of D and D as monsters, and now they're kind of in the forefront. So, uh, are you finding that 
male readers and female readers are identifying with t- this type of uh, you know creature character in in a way. I think people do like the fact that she's female. Maybe identify with it because because it's not um, you know it's in and and to make a short comparison to Drift to the Drow, like like the Drow are monstrous in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, they are. So because you don't know Drift as a Drow, you know him as Drift. You can relate to him, right? And mm-hmm. I feel like that's what I've kind of shot for with Rita, like. Okay. People look, at her, people look at her and they go, oh my god, she's a monster. You know, there's times it's throughout the Brimstone Angel series where she has interactions with, you know, people on the street and they immediately assume she's up to no good and she, all she's doing is standing there, right? Um, there's an the outward, the, the, the identity that people give you based on what they see and then there's who you really are. And I think I like that story. It resonates for me. And I think it resonates for a lot of people, especially who identify as geeks, right? Oh, yeah. Like you, yeah. People look at you and they go, oh, you like RPGs, or you have, you know, a shirt with an internet meme on it, or, or whatever. And they go, oh, you live in your mom's basement, and you've never dated, and all these other things, right? You, like, they don't really know who you are. They just kind of put all these things on you. Um, obviously, that's, that's kind of different than <laughs> being a tiefling, but I think that's, the, that's, that's where I think people can be really relatable, because there's that idea of, you know, people interpreting you based on what they see versus getting to know you and interpreting you based on who you are. No, I, I really like that because, I mean, we've all kind of felt that, you know, being geeks and that, um, you know, even in my younger years, you know, I could really relate to that very well. Yeah. Um, so I, I think all of us can. We're, we're kind of that outsider early on in, in our years and then, you know, Playing D and E—that's something you kind of you didn't oh, uh, totally. you, you didn't really uh, talk about. You kind of hid it in the closet, but now that's kind of changed and shifted gears. So I really think uh, mm-hmm. we can all kind of relate to that now, uh, especially you know being D and D and geek stuff being more uh, mainstream in culture. <laughs> so uh, I, I really like how, how you you put that. You know, uh, tieflings, drows. I mean, especially like Dritz and you know, Fried, uh, Fried. Uh, yeah, I, sorry, still watching. Um, how we can relate to those things because we, can, you know, in the past we've been the, that kind of that outsider uh, moving forward, and uh, so I mean I, I like that comparison. That, that's great. Thanks. Thanks. I really wanted I mean the the tieflings in these books because I've had other side characters that are that are tieflings, but to kind of show, I mean. The wide range of them, right? I'm I'm not personally very fond of the idea of like racial behaviors, you know, okay. like elder like this and yeah. like, I think there's you know a push, a cultural push. And there's probably some you know natural genetic behavior kind of thing yeah. to them. But to say that all are all X are Y is it, it it doesn't sit well with me. I don't really like writing it. So. The two main characters are different. You know, there've been there have been evil ones, there have been good ones. There've been ones that are just completely self-loathing. There's ones that just revel in it. Um, and I, I really want to show that whole range because this is a race of people who have should have, I think, all the variations of any other race, right? Mm-hmm. Crazy ones and nice ones and really skinny ones and. So, so really, this is more of a nurture versus nature. They're not naturally this way. You know, it's the society and that that's made them that way. Yeah, I mean, I think that's more interesting to write about for me, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I, it does bring up a good point, and it makes it really uh, interesting because uh, mm-hmm. they're not really 
a monster. They're, you know, they're, they're individuals or people just like us. Uh, it's just society around them has kind of affected them. I mean, is that kind of how you see it? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, uh, you know, can you maybe expound upon that a little bit more? Yeah. I think the really interesting thing, too, about Caitlin versus Trout, one more point on that, that the Trout have a culture, right? They have a really strong culture that really... Yeah, they do. Reined in anything that's changed, whereas the tieflings, the Asmodean tieflings, the, the fourth edition racial tieflings, they don't have a culture. They're completely scattered. So they're basically picking up whatever culture they're living in and whatever attitudes there are towards tieflings. So, you know, depending on where you are, being a tiefling is something different every time. So it is. I, that's another thing I like about it is that while you you have cultural pressures, they shift depending on where you are, and they, they're very affected by the individual you're talking about. Like, Farida and Havilar have grown up in the same community. Havilar is not quite... She really doesn't... Um, it doesn't bother her so much that people expect her to be a certain way because she's who she is, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes she can get things out of people thinking she's scary, so why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really like that point. You know, you're right. The drow do have a society, a religion built around this, and the tieflings don't. I mean, they're kind of scattered, so it's whatever society or uh, social, uh, as well as their own experience, that's affecting them. So with that said, I mean, what things in geek culture have influenced you, have pushed you towards writing, uh, you know, are you into games, into movies, uh, you know, tabletop gaming, role playing, what is it that kind of brought you into this culture? You know, it was books, I, was, I am a huge fantasy geek, I have always been a huge fantasy geek, um, I, uh, I wrote my first book when I was a freshman in high school, Oh wow! Um, it was really, t- <laughs> it was really terrible, I did my first two books. Um, and I, I spent most of those years either writing stories um, with dragons and uh, fairies and knights and, and, and big... As it should be. Sort of epic, sort of goofy stories. Um, and drawing. I, I, I was a big... I was that girl who sat in the back of the class and drew <laughs> dragons and, and crazy mythological figures okay. and stuff like that. Um so those were sort of my, my gateway. I uh, I never played D&D until I was an adult, actually, uh, which half the time I'm like, I'm so mad. Now I talk to my friends from, from those days, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you read Forgotten Realms, and I love Forgotten Realms. I'm like, where were you? Come on. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, but then at the same time, I'm like, this would have just sucked all the rest of my life away, and I probably never would have graduated. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So doing all the sort of periphery stuff, right? Um, I would have just thrown myself right in. But, uh, so I, that was, that's really my, my, my core geekiness, right, okay. is, is the books. And so I ended up, I, I worked actually when I first moved out to Seattle for a small science fiction press um, as an intern. Um, so I was just that crazy about working on books that I, I worked with this great couple um, who ran the press for a press, uh, Jack Hobie and Carolyn Long. And um, they couldn't really pay me for most of the time I was there. And then, you know, eventually I had to, I, 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 my, my day job was driving me crazy. So I applied to the Wizards based on the that I could work on books. And the nice thing is that I, um, I mean, I, think, I feel like I ended up falling in love with it. The, I, I, I don't think I understood quite the attraction to writing science fiction and working with science fiction. 
Um, and now that I do it, I, I think it's great. I think it's, I mean, I, I use the example that it's sort of like when you write poetry, you can write free verse and just do whatever you want. And for some people, that's the best way for them to work. Um, or you can do something structured. You can write like a sonnet or a pantoum or a haiku, and that structure kind of forces you to be more creative. Um, and at least right now, that for me, it, it, it works really well. Have it saying, okay, well, this is where the kingdom of the elves is, and this is where, you know, the, the ancient giant ruins are, and you can't move those, and um, there's a location in, uh, in the adversary where there's this feature. No, that's okay. That's a magical feature that has appeared in other books. And, and at first I was like, I don't want to go here because I don't need it. But it inspired a whole bunch of elements that, that I wasn't expecting to be there. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's really a neat way to work. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we would have gotten a well, along well in high school. I mean, I was kind of that same guy, person back in the, <laughs> in the back of the, the classroom. Uh, yep. Drawing, writing, uh, just kind of hiding out there, but at the same time uh, expressing myself, you know, through fantasy and art and stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and I didn't even get into D and D until after I moved out myself and when I was an adult. Oh really? Yeah. So um, my, you know, oh, gotcha. yeah, my my parents uh, thought you know D and D was evil and it was not. You, you stayed away from it, and you know, and then I had a friend that you know reached out to me and said, "You got to try this," and I ended up playing it and liking it and that's kind of how I got to express myself because I ended up really liking the storytelling and the writing aspect of it and um, you know it really grew from there and, and I've enjoyed it ever since it's been that really good outlet uh, yeah. but, um, and a friend of mine is using D&D as a way to teach his students on Fridays you know they get together and they actually play D&D they you know, use that social aspect that of the game that is awesome yeah, you know, so it it really is, you know, and it's really cool that it's a, a teaching tool that can be used uh, to you know develop social skills and teamwork and you know some math skills and stuff like that. So it's really interesting how something like D and D is more mainstream and acceptable, and you know it really works in a school setting as well. Uh, so yeah. You know, looking back, I, I always thought, it should have, this is the kind of game my mother should have made. It's like, my mother was always really squeamish about, like, us be competitive, right? Um, I'm the oldest, so it was always, like, don't pick on your sisters kind of thing. And I, I don't think any of us were very gracious losers. But d and is cooperative, right? You, you all sit down, you're all working together. And, um, it, I mean, it's, it, it's fun in a, in a way that, that, in my house, anyway, Monopoly wasn't. So I don't know, I have a son now, and I, I'm definitely like, okay, when he gets old enough, I am totally running D&D for him and his son. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, in a, I'm the oldest like you, and, uh, you know, honestly, it, it is teamwork. You know, if you're a jerk in this game, it's just not going to work for you. You're going to get t- screwed. Exactly. You know, uh, you got to be... A cooperative player, because if you're if you're not, then I mean, come on, you know, party's going. Hey, we're going to go down this tunnel. You go down that one, and you're dead. You know, or you're fighting some goblins. They kill you, and you're laying on the floor bleeding out. Your clerk's going to uh, screw you. You're a jerk, and walk away. Yeah, you know, it it really is a cooperative game. That really you have to play as a team, or otherwise it just doesn't work for you at all. I've actually run it at Gen Con for girls. Well, I've run a simplified version at Gen Con for Girl Scouts. They go bonkers. They love it. I mean, they, they're doing one where you're fighting little monsters. 
and they then they faint like Pokemon. So but, <laughs> that's know, really I, cool. I think it's great for kids. No, I mean that's really that's really cool that they do that um, at Gen Con. I, I honestly I don't get to play games while I'm there, so. I've never, never actually, other than I've never actually played a game at Gen Con because of time. Yeah, I mean we're running around like crazy, getting interviews, talking to people, and it, yeah, playing games at Gen Con would be a, a dream. Uh, it's just not feasible, but. Uh, you know, and that's a really cool concept because it can be used, uh, you know, for little kids, adults, and stuff like that. You know, and what I, you know really amazes me is, I mean, you look at those kids that are playing, but uh, Ed Gr- Greenwood, when he was developing this, I mean, he was really young. I mean, I think it was like seven or eight or something like that, and kind of developing this game. I mean, it's just amazing. So, six. oh, he's six. Okay. Six. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just amazing. I. I have a six-year-old son, and, you know, I I couldn't imagine him creating a game at this young. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, he, I mean, right now he's uh, trying to, uh, he's got a rock that looks like a tooth, and he's trying to trick the tooth fairy into giving him money, <laughs> you know. And yeah, it, it's not working, but it, it, I can't imagine him trying to come up with a game at that young. It's amazing. The longer I know him, the more I... The more I realize, like, what a genius he is. I mean, he seems like this just kind of goofy, fun guy, and you're like, oh, cool, and then he talks to them, you know, oh, yeah. different yeah. things, books and, and story ideas and stuff, and you just fully totally realize, like, oh, my God, this man is a genius. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. Um, he's cool to talk to. <laughs> Yeah, no. I mean, he's amazing. Uh, I, the opportunities I've had to talk to him, you know, it's like uh, Gen Con two years ago, it was we had an option of playing D and D next, or interviewing Ed, mm-hmm. and so it was like, okay, you two, you know, sending two of my guys over to play D and D next, and it's like I'm gonna go talk to Ed. You know, I, you really don't pass up that opportunity, and he's just amazing, well spoken, and it's just amazing this idea that's come out of his head. So now, my next question: Where does it go from here? You know, do you have any other books or any other projects lined up? For sorry, <laughs> for right now, I'm I'm got plans to write three more Farida books. Okay. Um, or at least that, you know that's the moment right now. Well, is very um, accommodating. And for some reason, like, nice. I need a break from this. That you know, I'm sure they'd let me write something else. But for right now, I, mean, I have a story I'm trying to tell. I've had the experience writing this series that every every book I've I've written has sort of changed. Uh huh. Um. Crimson Angels was not originally supposed to be set in Neverwinter. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know and that. And they decided that they wanted me to do that. So I changed the story completely so that it could be set in Neverwinter. And I, I love it, right? I think, it, I think that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Electric Eagles was um, meant to tie into a uh, Rise of the Ninjatarum event that was sort of, I think it was canceled because they were working after the Sundering instead. So mm-hmm. it was okay. supposed to be a different book. And it was actually supposed to be a book where they got to Cormier. But then they said, okay, you write about Harper and the Ninjatarum instead. And I was like, all right. Okay. Um, and then the sundering. Obviously, the sundering. The adversary was not in my plans. Yeah. Um, but it turned out that. Um, and then my next book is finally the book where I get to go to Cormier, which has been something that's been set up since the first book. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's interesting, but it still takes place within the time frame of the sundering. Um, oh, okay. Because that's that. You know, the next the next day is still happening. Mm-hmm. So um, that'll sort of show the state of Cormier in in. During that time, um, 
And then, yeah, I, I've got, you, you may have noticed if you read the adversary, there are, there are several little um, subplots that, that start up. Yeah, and, they are there. And so those, I, I, didn't, I didn't forget about them. They're just, they're coming along, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Now, my next question. So, you know, the adversary, what is the time frame that we're looking at? I mean, is it, Oh, it happened over a couple of weeks? Is it over uh, several months? Is it a year? I mean, because some of these other books, you know, the time frame is skewed off. So with The Adversary, about how much time do we see within this book? Uh, the Adversary takes place... I'm trying to remember the, the time frame. I think it's over about a month. Oh, okay. Um, it, I, I prefer writing books that don't take quite a long time. I don't have really long lived characters like you know, like Bob or uh, Ed. So yeah. at least you know, not yet. Can't promise you won't turn into a wish down the line. Um, <laughs> nice. But the, I, my, my preference is to kind of, and because I, I like to write about the character interactions, uh-huh. the, the, what comes next is a little more immediate because it's people kind of reacting to their emotions or, or what they need and, and mm. so that doesn't tend to take a long time. Um, the so, so the adversary is, I think, over a couple of ten days. Um, there's there's some things that just take more time. There's there's some travel in there, and I had to sort of sit down and go, okay, well, how long does it take to get from here to here? And if I use, you know, a portal, can I go from here to here? And that's that's the worst. I hate that part of writing. But um, so that's that's the only constraint on that. Um, and then you know, the next book, there's some events that are happening in the world that, that needs to take place at a certain time, so that sort of stretches it out. So the what the other elements of the sundering are kind of do put pressure on the, the story to shape a certain way. Yeah, I mean to be honest, I, I don't know anyone that loves to do travel in, in writing in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I mean, it's it just seems like one of the most difficult things to do, just because you know sitting on a boat is just boring, completely. You know, getting from point A to point B, unless you're doing something. You just want to write like a transition scene of a paragraph. The trouble, the trouble is like if you if you split the party, right? And so one person's doing something all the time, and the other group is just like twiddling their thumbs on a boat. Like that's the worst situation to write yourself into. Oh, I completely agree. Uh, It's just not easy. And not fun at all. So, now my my question here is, how long does the sundering take? I mean, cause is it over several years? Is it within a few months, a few weeks? Uh, I I guess I haven't really caught the scope, and I, I'm not seeing any dates or anything like that. So, is it over a year? It is though. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, I don't. I think Bob's book ends in 1484. I don't remember quite off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that's when. Um, and then Paul's book picks up in 1485, and then The Adversary takes place in 14, early 1486. Um, and The Reaver is sort of middle 1486. Okay, okay. Yeah, I do remember seeing the dates, but... Yeah, I... they're, they're chronological. They go they go along. And so it's, it's a process. It's, you know, it, it, uh, my impression is... And I say that just because I'm not, I don't have any of the documents open in front of me, so if I, I've got this a little bit wrong... Don't, don't blame wizards. No, we're not. Um, don't the, worry about it. The sundering sort of process has been going on for a while, and it's only here where we get to start getting these books that people are noticing something is up. Um, oh, okay, okay. So, you know, it starts out slow, and then by the time you get to the Herald, you know, everything's kind of coming apart and coming together, yeah, yeah. And, and you have sort of the world post-sundering um, emerging. 
Um, yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, it is. It, they're not. They're not all stacked. Um, they're there's there's a little there's overlap in a few places, I think. Um, and there's and, and the books. Some of the books have sort of references to the others. I know I, I put in. I tried to put in one for each without being too. Um, yeah, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. You should, as you should, definitely. You know, and, and it's a nice homage and kind of a tip of a hat to, to to the rest of them as well. You know, so now I did notice something uh, while researching that you actually have a degree in anthropology. <laughs> yeah. So my question is, how has this influenced or affected um, your writing? You know, how has this helped you be a better writer or, or, you know, or fantasy author. So it's funny because it, I'm, I'm 100% sure that my advisor would never have said, you know what you can do with this, you can be a fantasy writer. Um, but in a lot of ways, it, it does help. Um, okay. Anthropology is sort of loosely the study of humans. Yeah, yeah. So it's what makes us tick. And, and it's culture and it's archaeology and it's, it's bones. And um, mm-hmm. it's, it has come up in some really fun ways. Um in Lesser Evils, the book that comes before Adversary uh, is my favorite example. Um, I have a character who is sort of an archaeologist. I mean, she's, she's a historian because it sounds more wealthy. Um, and then they find a, a, this tomb and there's this creature in it, and I based it on the uh, the living mummies that a certain sect of Buddhists in, in Japan in, I think, the 1800s created. Oh, wow. Created, uh, I'm going to pronounce the song. Shokinshibutsu? Yeah. So the monks... Yeah, th- there's no way I could have pronounced that. So good job. They would um, decide, you know, fight here, this is the day I'm going to die, and they would sort of prepare themselves by eating this sort of special diet that would make their body less interesting to farm, to bug and environment and something. And then they would sort of meditate, and then they'd seal themselves in a, in a box. And every day, you know, the... I'm giving her two different colored eyes. 
So the, the, the boring answer is that uh, when I was in elementary school, I knew, well, my sister went, was in the same class as a pair of twin boys who one of them had um, brown eyes and one had one brown eye and one blue eye. And I, oh, I thought that was so interesting. Um, the, the longer answer is you will have to wait and see what the significance is. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. But it also, I mean, in a, in a sort of meta sense, it, it is handy for distinguishing between the two of them when the point of view character doesn't know them. Um, okay. That, I don't think that ever comes up in the adversary. Cochen, the water, or the, the harbor spy master might have said it at some point, but I know in previous books, when they bumped into people for the first time and they're sort of that person watching them and, and thinking about them, it's really a lot easier to say the gold eye tiefling and the all eye tiefling to, to kind of keep them straight. So it did it originally just because it was, it was like this this funny little detail that was stuck in my head I thought would be interesting. I I, I don't know if those, if those boys were identical um, or just very nearly identical for Charles twins, right? Uh-huh. But somehow one of them had two colored eyes and one of them didn't. Um, but it, it, it turns out to actually be really handy and in writing. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously they made an impression on you. So, now, have you ever thought of going into any other forms of media, you know, movies, video games, board games, uh, comics? I've actually, I have written for video games. I wrote, um, I, was, I was primarily an editor for Terra, um, the MMORPG, uh, but I was also given the opportunity to write dialogue, and so there's a character in there called Freya, who's a um, like an elven general, and I wrote all of her dialogue, which I'm really, I'm really pleased with a lot of it. But you know, that's the thing with writing for MMOs. I don't know that anybody reads it. It's you know, click through the quest, right? Um, but I mean, I'm some kind of poignant emotions in there. Uh, that's fun. I like doing that. Um, I like books better, but but that's interesting. I you know, I think it would be just really cool to write a comic book. Um, that's you know, not something I've, I've had an opportunity to do. Um, but it's, it's interesting because I, I, I definitely think that books are where my strength is. That's the media I've got the most experience with and the most like time to think about the process of and, and how to make things work. Um, but yeah, you know, everything, everything sort of bleeds into everything else. You know, the books inspire movies and movies inspire TV shows and TV shows inspire comics and, and you can jump from one thing to the other if you kind of learn the, the, the stuff behind it since they're not one-to-one, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, books, uh, they seem to really be getting going well, turning into a TV series. You know, um, George R. R. Martin's been able to really turn his uh, series into a really good, I mean, Game of Thrones is a really good TV series, and they're doing it really, really well, uh, yeah. which is just amazing in itself. You know, and then... Uh, the Sword of True series, Legend of the Secret, was okay, and then it kind of fell apart, didn't do really well. Um, so, yeah. so my question is for you, you know, do you find your characters speaking to you? I know we've had Bob on the show before, and he's, he's always talked about how Dritz and the other characters really speak to him. It's pretty much they're telling their story through him, and it's not really him writing, it's just him telling their story. So, I mean, do you find your characters doing the same thing, or is it different for you? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Bob. I mean, I think, I think it's, there's probably a little 
to it. Like, I, I know the right direction, but it's not in the front of my brain kind of thing. But, yeah, no, every book I feel like I, I have an outline um, because Wizard, you know, wants to be able to see what I'm going to do and know that I'm, I have actually got a book in mind. I'm not spinning my wheels. Um, and, and be able to say, okay, well, you can't write about X without talking to Aaron because you'll throw her off kind of thing. Okay. But uh, every time it, it, it kind of goes out the window because whatever looks good and what makes a sort of strong story here, once the characters start kind of playing it out, there's always something where it's, you, you kind of stop and you're like, they're not acting like themselves. They're really? faking this. Okay. Right? They're just kind of going through the motions. So let's back it up. Where does this fall apart? Um, Adversary, the uh, great example is Lorcan. In, in, in mm-hmm. the outline, Lorcan had kind of taken a backseat to, to the story. Um, he wasn't going to be in a lot of conflict. He was, he was kind of, um, he gets sort of tricked early on and, and, and is mad at his sister, and so he was just on for either side and, and go for it. Um, and it was terrible. You know, I went and got to the first draft, and I was like, I was getting to a point, I'm like, I can't write scenes with him anymore because he's just not working. I don't know who this dude is. Um, and so on the rewrite, I threw out probably 90% of what I'd written for him and and kind wow. of what, what needs to happen here. And I actually made a big flow chart. Like, do you, do you remember the Endless Quest book or, or Tudor and a Quitter? Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, when I worked at Wizards, they, they recovered, they re-released some of the Endless Quest books, and I made flowcharts for all of them so that I could keep track of the ending and make sure when it was typeset that everything was leading everywhere it needed to be and that there weren't any errors and, and things like that. So I made a flowchart, an Endless Quest-style flowchart for Lorcan. So it was like, you know, Farida does X. Does Lorcan know she did it? Well, if he does, then um, when Sarah, does Sarah, she try to tell him it was something different, or does she agree with it, or does she just stay mum? And then what happens? Does he get a chance to react, or does he get put away? And, um, and so I came up with like ten different versions of how he would go through the story, like from from that point of conflict to the end, um, trying to figure out like where did he go, which one is the right one. Um, but I finally found it, and I'm really happy with how it turned out. I think it's much more dynamic and much, you know, there's a lot more going on there, but you've turned into a character who's very much part of the conflict instead of being, like, the support staff, which which makes sense. He's, he's never the support staff, right? No, and he shouldn't be. So now my question, since you did bring up uh, outlining, so is this something that you find that's really easy for you? Because, I mean, myself, I find that it's difficult and it's hard for me to actually kind of flesh out uh, an outline. So, uh, you know, how do you do it? And do you have any suggestions or tips? Because, you know, that seems to, at least to me, to be really difficult to do. I think it, it, for me it's a, it's a question of, like, what your mindset is. Um, I try to think of it as being a really, really terrible first draft. Um, so my outlines are enormous. I mean, they're, they're easily 50 pages long. Um, and fortunately, I have an editor who's like, that's what works for you, so you better do it. Um, instead of going, mm, make, it, make it short, like an ego. But, you know, it's that place where you can write down, you write down things and they don't necessarily fit the voice or the story. You can make Cavalier say, OMG! Um, or whatever flows out of your fingers, and, and that makes it easier to write. Um, I also I do use a lot of those. I make a lot of sort of charts with with post-it notes and stuff. Um, 
usually it's like, I need these scenes. I know I need these scenes for the story to work. So here they all have to happen in this order. And then how, what comes ahead of it? Um, I started recently using Scrivener, uh, for, mostly for outlining, because you can reorganize the scenes. You can oh, that's really nice. And flip them in order so that you can see where everything goes. Wow. Um, so, yeah. You know, and depending on the story and how big it is, like sometimes I think it's helpful to pick out stuff like, you know, where's your midpoint? Um, where's the, you know, the first parapetea kind of stuff? Like, look at it in a sort of literary fashion so you can get a sense of whether things are actually happening or if you're just letting the story kind of doll and sag in the middle before you start. But again, mm-hmm. like, the thing with outlines is, is not treating them like a holy writ. You know, this is an idea you had, and maybe when the, you know, Robert Thoreau, this is not a very good idea. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's that's great. I mean, really, honestly, uh, to to bring it up as what you would call a first draft or a really, really bad draft, uh, that speaks better to me, to be honest, because outline, it's to me, the outline, the structure and everything, it's like, oh, I have to have it perfect, but just to say, hey, that's this is a rough draft, it's something I can scrap, that it seems to kind of let that pressure off a little bit for me. Yeah, and if you name it, you don't name it an outline. You name it super rough draft or something like that. I think that kind of gets you, gets you there too. But it, yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that's a great idea uh, to kind of help you know get those creative juices flowing, getting the ideas out. Uh, you know, but yeah, but really, uh, the biggest thing is just you know English. You know, growing up high school English class, I just hated. You know, uh, and literary class, because, you know, you had to read these books, and, you know, and, I, and I, I loved reading, but I didn't love reading what they were giving me. It wasn't fun. It wasn't great. Uh, it just, oh, it was like pulling teeth from a shark just to get me to read a book. You know, Old Man of the Sea, Tell of Two Cities. Yeah. Um, just not fun, great books. But uh, I'd have to do these these outlines, so I really think part of me is, and I have to do an outline, goes back to those moments. Yeah, they, I've always felt like they take the worst books for high school kids. Like, I, there was one year where I think we read, we read, like, I Never Promised You a Rose Garden, and maybe a separate piece, and, and Romeo and Juliet. There's all these depressing stories where, like, people get mental illnesses and then kill themselves. Like, why are you feeling this to 14-year-olds? No, I mean, no. The, it seemed like the books were horrible. I mean, they... Yeah, and I know this is great, you know, classic literature and, you know, it's supposed to be really good stuff we're supposed to be reading, but I really wish I could have read stuff that really spoke to me. But, uh, you know, as far as writing, I love writing, but it seems like I really struggle with being on top of it and keeping to my nose to the grindstone, so to say, you know, but, and, and I really get hung up on that outline all the time. Yeah, but I think, you know, if you're going to write, if you're going to write, you're going to be successful at it. I mean, as far as, like, producing, like, you really do have to find what works for you and you have to figure out, you know, what are your weaknesses and how do you address that, right? Like, I am super distractible, so I have a I can relate to that. where I can, like, you know, turn it off, right? I have, I, I use a program that will block my internet for a certain period of time. I can't oh, wow. use the internet until it runs out. Um, or until I restart my computer. I have I use a program called Write or Die, which you sit down and you you set out a, a goal. You say, okay, I want to write a thousand words in 
in 40 minutes or something, and huh. um, you start typing, and if you stop, it punishes you. Whether oh, wow. You want to turn it really gentle, it'll pop up a little window that says, hey, you need to be writing. Um, or I need it on kamikaze mode, where if you stop writing, it'll start to turn red to warn you that you're going to be in trouble, and then it starts deleting what you wrote. No way. So, Seriously? Yeah, so you don't stop. You just keep going. Because especially, I, I always <laughs> felt like you have sort of two, there's two parts of your writer brain. There's your creative faculties, and there's your critical faculties. Uh-huh. And usually, if you can't get the words out because you're so busy going, this seems dumb, this is dumb, your critical faculties are strong um, yeah. when they shouldn't be. Um, so making those shut up, and it's sometimes just a matter of like, making your fingers keep moving. But you can always go back and revise. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't revise you have nothing. If you haven't written anything, you can't revise it, right? Well, I'm just amazed. I, I wouldn't know what to do if my computer started, like, deleting what I wrote. You know, and, and I'm very get distracted easily. <laughs> you know, it, it it honestly just seems like it's super, super easy for me to get distracted. You know, ooh, look, there's a shiny thing there. Ooh, I got this. You know, you know, Internet, uh, D&D, Arena of War on my, on my iPad. I, oh, I can go play that or my Xbox or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, so... Uh, do you know what uh, Kendra are from the Dragonlance series? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, you know, I yeah, I, Gen Con last year we went. Or, excuse me, the year before uh, we were there, we had to get to the Wizards booth, you know, because we had some interviews. I walked there and I was like, "Ooh, shiny!" It's like dice, games, and cards, puzzles. I I was just going left and right. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, it, that's so I, I do get distracted pretty easy, and I do understand that, uh, but. Huh, I don't know what I would do if I had that setting where if I wasn't writing, it suddenly started deleting everything that I had just written. I mean, that's that's tough. That's hardcore right there. I I I don't know how you do it, I, or imagine how I could do it. You don't have to use that setting, but I find like I need it to be safe. Well, it, it's that and, and normal. The little pop-up window is just it's not enough for me. Um, the normal setting plays a really obnoxious noise, and I usually end up writing in coffee shops. Um, okay, yeah, that's probably easier. My, my son, my, I have family that takes care of my son for part of the day so I can get some writing done, but um, if they're here, I can't do anything because he's coming in and shutting my laptop and saying, Mom, all done! So uh, the annoying noise in the coffee shop is not really fair to everybody else. No, I mean... If I were to do anything from home, uh, you know, normally my daughter's like, "Hey, pay attention to me," and throw something at me. So I definitely understand that one um, because, you know, you know, they want attention and they they see you home and they think, "Oh, it's playtime." So um, with that said, uh, let's start wrapping this up. I see that this the book, The Adversary, is due to release on December third. This year, and I'm assuming it, you can find it on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, as well as Barnes and Noble Store, uh, and pretty much any bookstore out there. Is that correct? Yep, all fine retailers. I am also running an e-signing on my website, LushLush.com. Um, if you want a signed copy, and you're not going to be somewhere where I am, <laughs> you can order a book, and I will sign it and ship it to you. Okay, so now that you mention it. Will you be at any cons or any places for a signing um, anytime soon? I'm working on a doing a signing at the University Bookstore on December 9th. Um, hopefully, a very special co-star, uh, who unfortunately since it's not settled, I can't I can't say who. Of course. Um, but 
yeah, that's, so that's in Seattle. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure if there are other signings going on, although I've, I've talked to a Barnes & Noble here, too. So I have those, I will, I'll put those up on, on Slush Lush as well. But, uh, and I'm, I'll be at Gen Con. Um, I, I think I'm going to be going to Gen Con every year for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as you should be. Um, and I, while I, I'm not a guest at Norwest Con, um, that's another convention I'm going to try to make it to this year. Okay. Well, I mean, we'd love to see you at Gen Con again this next year. We're going to be there as well. Um, but check out this book, everyone. I mean, you can pick it up at Amazon. You can pick it up at Barnes & Noble. You can pick it up at your local bookstore, um, and, and as well as on audiobook. You know, uh, you know, with that said, you know, hey, check out audible.com. Uh, I'm not trying to, to push anything, you know, but definitely, uh, you know, get Aaron's book. Um, and, you know... Uh, I apologize, Aaron. I forgot what was that uh, email address or not web email address website uh, address. Slushlush.com. S L U S H L U S H dot com. All right, everyone. This has been Aaron M. Evans with uh, Wizards of the Coast, talking about her new book, The Adversary. Or excuse me, writing for Wizards of the Coast for the Forgotten Realms series. Uh, the book is The Adversary. Comes out December third of uh, this year. Pick it up. Go to Amazon. Go to Barnes and Noble. Go pick it up. Yeah. You know, again, thank you, Aaron, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. And that's it. Yay! It was a great interview. The adversary. She's. It was like a. It was like she was like an, an announcer Hello? boxing. There, there you go. It's it's like you. Yep. Your your cord is just. Yep. I just need to remember. It's either the cord or no, the, it's mic. the mic. It's, uh, it's the it's, mic. It's, it's the, the mic. It's the not mic. even me. It's yeah, it's no, really it's, old. Nope. It's like one of the very first mics ever. Oh, way back when. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm using cute. Revan's first mic. Yep. Oh. Should be bronze. <laughs> it should. Maybe that's what I'll do when we retire it. We'll bronze mounted up the, uh, up above the door. Yeah. Frame. When we retire it. So then the question is, when are we going to retire it? When we get a new soon. mic. Yeah. <laughs> See, and then we can get a little plaque and put. Put them there and hang it on the wall. Oh, put all of our fallen mics. Yes. All next <laughs> to each other. Yes. Revan, 2012. Flagoon, 2013. Flagoon, 2014. Flagoon, 2015. I am really Flagoon, 2015. Wait, that's two in the same year. We know. We know yeah, it. yeah. He, it, it was a rough day for him. Yes. So, welcome back to the show. Dungeon Crawlers Radio. If you're just tuning in, well, I'm sorry. You missed a really great show interview. Well, you um, can always catch it on uh, catch it again on our archives. Yes, Dude, archives really. Yes, on iTunes and Stitcher. <gasps> can I also find them on Le Google? You could possibly find them on Le Google. You yes. know, I really feel like you guys were trying to tell me something. Yes, you should. If you miss this interview <laughs> that we just played, like right now, um, and you're the one that I just listened to. Yes. yes. If I miss that. Yes. But but okay. if if, if the listeners out there just tuning in did not hear it, they can always catch it again on their uh, archives, or they're already listening to it on archives and hearing us talk about listening to archives while they're are listening to an archive. Which means you can just listen to other archives. Which, yeah, which is more. kind the of more the merrier. Think about it. Yes. Yeah. So who got? So who has some geek news? Is um, it that time? I've I've got a little bit. <gasps> So, uh, you know, this is kind of following up with uh, our uh, interview from uh, last month with uh, Graham Stark. They've uh, started Desert Bus for Hope. They are two days, eight hours, and 11 minutes into it. And they have already raised over $142,000. $142,000, huh? 
142,000. They've that's got a lot of money and a that lot is, of That miles. is a lot of cheese right there. They've got over 136 hours left, uh, and uh, it looks like they just actually had another hour get tacked on on top of there, so they got another $9,000 till they can get another uh, uh, another hour uh, on top of that. It's, wow. It's looking like they're going to be going well past, uh, uh, well past Thanksgiving. Okay. So if you want to check that out, and they've got live auctions, they've got interviews uh, scheduled, uh, go to desertbusstop.org. You will be entertained. And if you're not entertained? Oh, no, you, you will be entertained. Then, I'm sorry, you need to go out to the desert and sit and, and yeah, contemplate yeah, with nature. Actually take that yeah, drive. Actually take that drive from Tucson to, uh, to uh, Las Vegas. Las Vegas is, that, and, is that what it is? And, yeah, Vegas? That's, okay. that's what it is. And you'll actually get that in better graphics than what they're doing. <laughs> so uh, next is uh, Spike TV. Uh, their video games, uh, they've been doing their video game awards, which mm-hmm. uh, haven't really been much of video game awards, as they've just been like video ga- uh, overextended video game commercials. So yeah. uh, uh, two things, they are renaming to the VGX, because it doesn't sound extreme enough, I guess. And uh, they're going to be airing that on December 7th. So uh, look forward to At, uh, watching anything else on yeah, December 7th? Yeah, look forward to you know skipping over there and just going, most anticipated video game. Click. Um, click. All righty. It's just like, I'll to rerun a walk yeah, or something. Well, that's at, uh, that's at 6 p.m. Eastern, so who knows yeah. what you'll be doing by then. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Ordering Next, takeout. Ordering takeout. <laughs> Playing Desert Bus. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, uh, looks like uh, Internet Explorer is uh, desperately trying to get any sort of uh, anybody interested in their, uh, their uh, operating uh, operating or their or their, their internet browser because uh, you know the only thing that Internet Explorer has been good for is downloading another internet or um, another browser another browser. So uh, they're. <laughs> Uh, uh, their uh, their latest ad uh, program or ad whatever it is addition uh, ad addition for uh, for this uh, for uh, Explore Eleven is a quirky anime girl with uh, yeah so there's a video out there with uh, an anime girl changing from a slow sluggish schoolgirl to the cool, hot, fast thing that has laser beams that shoot out from all over the place. Didn't AOL do that for a while? Uh, probably. Yeah. I actually um, watched this silly thing. Yeah, I, I had nothing else to do. And I was like, are you kidding me? It was like, <laughs> it was like a five-minute long commercial. It wasn't really that long. Yeah. And speaking of five-minute or six-minute long commercials, uh, they are, uh, everybody getting all excited about uh, Doctor Who coming out this uh, next uh, Saturday? You know, yeah, so there's thing. a Doctor? Yeah, I have, yes, to, I have to say. So, so the, the the 50th anniversary. Yeah, what you're bringing up. Yes. Go ahead. So um, the they're getting the, you know they're start the BBC starting they're to do ramping some, up. Do, for they do some ramp up. And they actually came out with a little mini episode. Yep. Getting people hyped for it called the Night of the Doctor. And if uh, you haven't seen this, if go. you haven't seen it, check it out. It's, it's amazing. On, it's on YouTube, and it is. All you have to do is Google search Night of the Doctor. Yeah, yeah. Google search Night Google of the Doctor. Tons. Uh, of uh, hits. On yeah, that. I mean it. This is this is actually bringing you know Doctor A, you know to his to his to his prime, 
Oh yeah, making you want to see a little bit more of him. Like I, I watch, I, I watch, and I'm like, dude, I want to see more of this doctor. He is freaking awesome. <laughs> you need to go. Fye has it, but you need to go get the movie. I, I, maybe I'll just let give you my copy. All right. Um, it's horrible. I, I've I've heard bad things about it, but I I'm thinking you it know, was it was a combination of just production. Well, part and of it he was, was probably also kind of new at it. Didn't really know what he was doing. I had take out Paul McGann. The show itself was horrible. So it was just bad. It was a subject of bad writing. Well, it was the U.S.'s attempt to relaunch Doctor the Doctor Who series here, and it failed. I mean, flat out fell on its face. Um, yeah, not surprised because yeah. um, you know not to I mean, not to bad mouth us Americans as an American, but we really don't have the same taste that they have across the pond. Yeah, no, it def- it didn't have production. the same quirky fun flavor to it. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm going to call it. Uh, we like things. It's like it's but- like think of think of how co- <laughs> like like think of Community, and mm-hmm. when uh, when uh, you know. They they did the little test screening for you know Inspector Space Time yeah you know that you know we're we're a different breed of people I guess. well I mean first off just looking at Paul McGann's outfit and I know the Doctor his outfit changes and evolves with him uh, you know Matt Smith's his has changed and evolved each season mm-hmm. but Paul McGann's outfit seriously looked like he was General Custard without. The beard and mustache. <laughs> he had the long, True. flowing, blonde hair, curly, the outfit and everything. He doesn't have any guns. Um, it was just really bad because, you know, they he were doing... a strap a sword on the side and he'd be good. Well, yeah, I mean, they were doing this big old Y2K celebration and there was a bunch of people dressed up in costume and I don't know how, but he's walking out of the morgue and he just happens to find, you know, costume. Uh Clothing makes no sense. Okay, but um, you know, Eric he, he Roberts played the master really poorly. Uh, Paul McGann did a great job. It was everything. It was everything else, else that happened that on top of that. Really poor writing, production. I mean, the you rest know, of yeah. the show. Sylvester, oh, what was his name? The previous Doctor. I mean, he he, he literally walks out of the TARDIS and gets shot. You know, <laughs> that's how he dies. I, you know, there's there's. This gang is beating this kid, and you know he. They go to pull a gun and go to shoot him, and the wa- doctor walks out, bumps into him. Yeah, the kid falls over. He gets shot. That, he dies. That sounds like an American American way to kill off. I mean, the mm-hmm. that's of, probably all they could afford. All of the ways <laughs> the doctor can die. That's probably the dumbest and again, I think weakest death ever. That is yeah, probably well, all the same time they could afford. They could afford him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, you know, and then, you know, the series, the series didn't ramp up. It just failed. And then to see him come back in this episode, he was in a much better outfit. Yeah, it much looked, better outfit, it, much better production to know, it. The writing yeah. was really good. The actors oh. that they got in on it mm-hmm. were very good. Like, when the lady sees the TARDIS and she freaks out oh, yeah. about seeing a TARDIS, like, dude, that's... Well, one of my favorite lines is he's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a Dalek. And she's like, "Who you can well, tell anymore?" Yeah, who can tell anymore? You know, and it's just—it was really powerful for even though it was what eight minutes, eight nine it's minutes, six and a half. Oh, minutes. six and a half. I mean, it's really powerful episode. Um, so check it out; it really ramps up. Although I kind of thought they kind of sh- 
uh, phoned it in when instead of showing the transformation, they show a reflection of him. Well, but I kind of see why. I mean, they had to kind of they had to you know euthanize or no, I would say euthanize. They had they had to they had to they had to do pretty much what they did with uh, um, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, but not in a horrible way. So yeah. I think the reflection <laughs> yeah, helped. The that. reflection helped that, and that that that's why they did that. Yeah, they but had to make John Hurt I, look younger. You know, I don't know why they really even need to make John Hurt look younger. I mean, Matt Smith is you know supposedly nine hundred years old, and he looks pretty uh, pretty young. Well, I think why that, not make the John Hurt you know the warrior doctor an old and angry doctor? Well, yeah. What I like though is you saw an older Paul McCann. Yeah. So I, the, I think what they're kind of showing is the doctor does age, and he lives for a while there, and you you kind of see that change. Well, you, you kind of see that with the first yeah. doctor on him, with, with him being an old yeah. and befuddled person. And so I think guy. they wanted to, you to see that there was a younger John Hurt, and the time war lasted so long that, it that made he him... was an older man by the time that he made okay. that final decision, just to kind of give you a perspective of how long that war was. All right. I, so. So. Moving yeah. onward. Moving yeah, onward. Move on. uh, let, let's <laughs> all uh, start singing happy birthday to one of the greatest flops of all time, the Star Wars Holiday Special, celebrating its 35th anniversary. Woo-hoo! Yay. So, birthday. happy birthday to probably one of the worst Christmas 90, specials. 90 minutes holiday. Holiday special. All right, it's, it's a holiday. It's not Christmas. That was the worst 90 We still need to show that. Ever conceived. We need to do a show of that. I, I think we and just, then riff track it. Maybe. Yeah. No, I don't think you can. I, I, yeah, oh, I, I, it, I'm pretty sure like just watching it just makes you want to start splitting your wrist. You're, you're just like, can't. No, we don't want to promote it. that. No, okay, here's the thing. that's why we shouldn't watch. That's why we shouldn't watch it. Like, I watched it for the first time about uh, about five about five years back, just before I started onto the show. Okay. I used to remember how to play the piano, <laughs> and now you don't. <laughs> Seriously, I'm just saying. I'm wow. just saying. I, right. I, don't, I don't know if there's a, <laughs> so, there was a so, in other words, you're saying that uh, the Star Wars Hulk special is worse than alcohol. It's much worse than alcohol because at least. It makes you feel okay. <laughs> All right. It kills more brain cells and makes you feel bad. All right. Not that we promote drinking. No, we don't promote. No, we do not promote drinking while we're on the air. <laughs> All right. And other things? That, I'm going to jump into this. That now. is the last of my news. All right. So uh, Lost Terry O'Quinn is now up for Lex Luthor in Batman versus Superman. So uh, okay. I think he's got the part. I mean, he kind of has the look. I don't know if he's going to be too old, but again, when Superman first started, Lex Luthor was a much older scientist, yeah. and mm-hmm. they're going to—they're going for kind of the scientist. Well, yeah, well, role and, this time. and they're going for an older Batman. So, yeah. so that sort of plays in. I think yeah. that'll make sense. Which is still weird that it's Ben Affleck as an older Batman. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I say it's well, time to rejoice for Ben Affleck. The I, decision I, is made. I think the decision is made. Well, I, I, I understand that the decision has been made, but making him older Batman just seems weird to me. Well, no, it's it's a much more mature Batman. It's not really older. He's just more. It's he's not yeah. freshly into I, the I'm role of Batman. I'm just going to say they're kind of going with the, the new Fifty Two idea where Superman shows up. Batman's already been working as Batman for the last five years, so I think they're going to kind of go with that mentality, okay. where he's been being Batman. For a while, Batman's been Batman, and he's seeing yeah. Superman coming in as just another yeah another another wannabe to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
This so, is yeah. my town. You know, as far as with Batman Superman movie, there is some things that are happening. So the Flash is going to be in the movie, mm-hmm. but he's not going to be in costume. You will see him as Barry Allen. Uh, it's uh, the WB wants uh, Grant Gustin to play that character. Now Grant Gustin has been cast to play the Flash in the upcoming uh, the, the TV Arrow. series, and he will be appearing in the next uh, Arrow episode as yeah, but that, Barry I Allen. This will be the last because uh, the, they're not going to be having him on the show Arrow anymore. He he will be it, on the show for like two or three episodes. Yeah, and then but he, he will be as Barry Allen. Yeah. Um, and Black then, does not exist yet. yeah, well, I don't know. We'll see. Um, because they've been bringing in several other characters. Yeah. But he will have his own series, uh, as well as uh, Wonder Woman will be airing in the upcoming movie. Wonder but Woman. she'll be only known as Diana. She will not be in the costume. Uh, WB has decided that Wonder Woman cannot hold her own series. So she will be an additional character. Uh, with she'll hmm. she'll be part of the main focus kind of in Justice League, yeah. where the other characters are they just don't believe she can support. I think the eighties would argue with her, mm-hmm. or with them, because you know she held her own series for at least two seasons. Correct, but that was a much different <laughs> yeah, Wonder was, Woman, and, and they've tried. And it was ABC. It just it they don't believe that she can support just because. Yeah. If you were to Still. do a true Wonder Woman, which that yeah. series didn't do, oh, of course not. It wouldn't work. Woman yeah, doesn't I'm just wondering what the rationale her outfit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That, I mean, that's really it, uh, all it says. So, yeah. hmm. uh, The Lex Luthor is going to resemble the character from Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman. Okay. That's, okay. okay yeah. That's what they're going yeah. for. Okay. So he's going to be playing around fringe science. Uh, uh, he's he's going to try to get the LexCorp scientist to recreate the Kryptonian armor uh, that they... Because some's been left over, uh, which really, you know, I I think this is going really well. And then Bruce Wayne, he's going to have a love interest in this movie, uh, but it is going to be an Afri- an African American actress for the part. They haven't picked her yet, but there was a time in the series that Bruce Wayne did have mm-hmm. you know, a character mm-hmm. like that. And I think she was a doctor or something like that. I can't remember her name. It was I back when remember. his back got broken. Um, she had really short hair, but I yeah. can't remember. So, but you know, even in the Arrow, they're they're tying things up because uh, Amanda Waller has shown up. You know, you've had uh, Deadshot, you've had uh, Slade Wilson, uh, Deathstroke, you've had uh, the Black Canary. So it, it seems like DC is kind of going in the same direction as Marvel. You know, Marvel. I think the next episode of Agents of Shield is going to be a, a oh, tie into the Thor movie. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's you have to like watch the Thor movie to get it. Oh my gosh, the end of the Thor movie. I. I was watching that. I still need to watch I it. I squealed and, and I went. I, it was good. It was awesome. It was great. I still need to watch it, guys. Come I, on. I mean, I went with no, my, my co I'm in the same boat as you are. Yeah. Don't worry. I ain't, we're, I ain't spilling nothing. I'm not going to say anything. But my co all looked at me much. and they're like, you would do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I got, free mo- I got a free uh, gift card because they were a- asking uh, comic book trivia. Before. Can I borrow it? And guess what? And, and and it was for it was a Green Lantern question, and of course I had to. I was dressed up as Green Lantern because I had to for work, and I got it. Can, can I borrow that? I'll, I promise I will give it back. Uh, no, because you're going to use it and give me the card back. You did. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, maybe. <laughs> All right. Anyone else got some geek news? Uh, and then we got to jump in because we got four uh, oh, gamer four questions. Oh my gosh. Uh, Fireboard, do you have anything tonight? Uh, AMC 
has uh, ordered a pilot for uh, the comic book of Preacher. They've been trying to do the movie since 1998, and it's been kind of a no-go. They've been kind of trying to push it, but I think it might make a better TV series. Uh, Let's see. Think Geek is coming out with the um, Monopoly to the Apocalypse uh, of The Walking Dead, so that'll be out for the holidays, and it looks pretty awesome. I think I would play this game consistently all the time. Because it's Monopoly or because it's Walking Dead or because it's both, is it? I'm just so done with zombies. That's just... uh, because it's a different twist on the Monopoly. It's not the same board with just different flair to it. Okay. It's like surviving. Colin Farrell, uh, he won't say if he will or will not be uh, in the Warcraft movie that's coming up, uh, but he says he really likes it. He thinks uh, a lot of great ideas where it's going to be going and he has a really positive stance on it. So, cross our fingers on that one. Uh, Thor was number one at the box office, followed by The Best Man Holiday, Las Vegas Freebirds, and Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa. That's really all the news I got. Alrighty. Thor awesome, thank you. was and awesome. Thor was deserving of number one, I'll just say that. Yep. Um, let's see here. Um, let's see, really quickly. Uh, so does this phrase sound kind of familiar, Internet? Basically, I bought a $400 paperweight. Well, if you bought a PS4, that's what most people are saying right now. Because uh, a lot of people are turning it on and getting a little blue light and then nothing. So uh, Sony has just released a troubleshooting guide that will probably not address these issues. So look forward to not being able to play your PS4 for a few more weeks. This is why I wait until after, like, oh. second launch before I get a... Uh, this is why I just don't want to buy one. Maybe they say at buy Christmas. Them. Yeah. We'll turn them all on. <laughs> <laughs> I just always buy the second generation of them. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's wait, what I got on the until PS3. After, you wait until after they kind of iron out the kinks. And Did that with the PS2. Did that with the PS1 as well. I mean, well, like... I, I, I learned that with the PS2. I got PS I got the PS2 day of launch, and I thought I was also cool. I actually brought it over to my D&D and rubbed it in Revan's face. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but... Uh, Literally. I, I learned at, shortly that with a you know, buying it initial or buy it at launch comes absolutely no gameplay with and so. lots of no guarantees. Yeah, well, it's like buying beta. So the PlayStation Two at least had a decent like they didn't have problems that the you know the Xbox Three had with the Red Ring of Death and the uh, the oh yeah the you just had the light the PlayStation Three <laughs> had with uh, actually I didn't really don't really well uh, no the PlayStation Three had a burning out. Uh, their their lens would burn out. Yeah, uh, with but you could gen. easily replace it. That, that was easy so. enough for replacement. And then you know the PlayStation Four with its uh, with its issues. But on top of that, also comes absolutely no games to play, and especially with the PlayStation Four not being backwards compatible. Yeah. But they're going to yeah. have the library have everything in it. But the library everything. will have everything in it. Eventually. But you're going to have to rebuy the games that you already bought, mm-hmm. unless you bought them on the PSN, apparently. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see here. To, well, uh, maybe they'll make on. them free if you're a uh, PlayStation, PlayStation Plus, Plus member. Yeah. If you're down with that noise. All right. I um, have... Let's see. <laughs> uh, the Chinese government has built the Tiani 2 supercomputer. It runs at 33.86 petaflops per second, which is equal to about 33, almost 34 trillion calculations a second. Did you say petaflop? He meant petaflops, but, you okay. know. Petaflops? <laughs> petaflops. 
He likes pita he likes pitas, yeah. okay? I don't know. Sort of pita pita flops doesn't pita sound pita any better. No, the pita flops is pita flops. All right. But anyways, it runs a it runs super duper fast, keeping China the owners of the fastest computer in the world. Um, also, and yet they don't do anything with it but play Warcraft. <laughs> that's yeah. That's they have their no, 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 no. Get it correctly. They farm for Warcraft. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but they're probably the only players in the world that have zero lag. <laughs> and then uh, finally, um, we probably uh, throughout the news over the weekend have made front, uh, made front page news here in Salt Lake. Probably heard this from little Miles Davis, a boy recovering from leukemia in uh, living in San Francisco. As well, little Batman. Yep, little Miles Davis got to be Batman for a day thanks to Make a Wish Foundation. So yeah, his, no, he did. The Batman entire city, city got turned it. Out. Yeah, so the entire city of San Francisco turned out. Cheer him on as he got to save a woman for being tied up to a cable car. He also got to apprehend the Joker and the Penguin. And uh, received a key from the city. Yeah, the pretty mayor. sweet. The mayor was in on that action. A- if you haven't seen this, go to YouTube, look it up. There, yeah, there's there's videos tons of video of it. And the kid is like fully dressed as Batman, yeah, and he's hauling it down the street. Just <laughs> I actually found a picture. I it. actually found a picture of him on Facebook, and it, uh, the caption is still better Batman than Ben Affleck. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. Zing. Uh uh-uh. uh. We ain't going there. But yeah. yeah I mean that that's I mean I thought they had it with the Hellboy thing earlier this year I think yeah. earlier this year I thought man that man Make a Wish does not get cooler no yeah they wrong they upped it they upped the ante on this one you think they can't go any higher oh, they will one up themselves they will one up themselves wonder so, what I wonder what they're gonna do next you know what it's gonna be they are going to stage an alien invasion and they're gonna let a kid be Iron Man. <laughs> No, no, the whole. But, she, but the then they're going to develop. Uh, and he'll be able to destroy no, the building. They will do. They will do. They'll do. They'll do one up. They'll they'll one up that instead of just doing one wish, they'll do two wishes. No, they'll do. They'll do five. They'll do five. Wishes. They'll do a full Avengers. Yeah, they'll just have them all fly in. And they get to destroy buildings. Yep. And the one kid, there's one kid. It was like his his goal in life was just to be like uh, like Samuel L. Jackson. So they'll actually let him shoot. A missile at a manned jet. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and say there are no snakes on this plane. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. All right, so that's Let's, it. Let, uh, yeah, we've we got to hit the Gamer Forge because we are running out of time. We've got to clank, 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 clank. So before clank. we do that... Uh, hey, I already did a tink, 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 clink, clink, clink. Correct. Too late. <laughs> Go on. NB Design. Move on. Oh. Oh, yeah. Commercial break. Yep. Oh. got to pay the bills real fast. All right. So, AMB Design Studios, if you have uh, any design work, logo work that needs to be done to brighten up or refresh your business, well, just contact AMB Design Studios. You can find them on Facebook or at mbdesignstudios.com. And Nate there, well, he's going to hook you up with some fat, fat flash. Yeah. As well, just keep in mind, anytime you want to get any uh, any books, especially uh, you know the, the books we talked about tonight, The Adversary, it's available, ebook, or, uh, audiobook, or you know, traditional hardback. Amazon.com, but go to our website, click on the link. Uh, after you've cleared out your cookies, shop as normal. gives a little bit back to us. You know, and I'm sure that was in the, mm-hmm. the interview earlier, but it's always a good reminder. Yeah. Buy so, them! Yes, and definitely buy their books. I mean, I, I'm reading The Adversary, and it's amazing. And it comes out December 3rd. But it's amazing. You need to pick up this book. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, I got the book early. Well, <laughs> Wizards, Wizards sent it to me. 
because hey, you know they want us to at least know what we're talking about before fair we do enough. these interviews. That's fair. It's you know, I've never been a fan of Tieflings, and wow, I've really I've uh, I'm reading. I'm currently reading uh, uh, Companions. Mm-hmm. I kind of got a little paused on there. I finished listening to Godborn, and I'm actually quite yeah. interested in getting uh, getting more, my hands more on Paul's books. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm very very interested in getting my hands on uh, on the uh, the next one. Nice. Okay, so let's jump in here now. The Gamer Forge. So Rick has written in. He's like, I need your help. When an offensive spell. Excuse me. When an offensive Flap spell the DM. range is touch, does the touch have to be with a hand? Flap the DM. No. Literally. <laughs> Please. <laughs> no. That's your that's your answer. No. Uh, no, it was slap the GM. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the answer. That's the answer. Slap the GM. Well, Joe, you, you want me to go on this? Yeah, one? go. Nope. Anything that you can use to touch, including. Your familiars mm-hmm. can deliver touch attacks for you, so that does give you sort of a raise option. Also, if you want to get really creative, you can use uh, you can get. Uh, uh, I've seen combinations used with a monk's unarmed attacks mm-hmm. so with their increased damage on top of a touch attack. Um, you can also use things like um, you cannot use mage hand though. Mage hand because it cannot uh, magi- the um, the magic of mage hand cannot deliver a touch attack. However, that's interesting because in some books they've done it that way. Yes, because a mage hand can touch something which can so you can do that, but a mage hand itself cannot. But you can also use uh, spells such as uh, Bigsby, Bigby's crushing hand Bigby's Big crushing fist or uh, polarizing fist yeah, like to that. deliver touch attacks with that. Okay. So, you do have some options but it does not have to be your hand. I mean, hell, if you wanted to get up close enough and stick your tongue to a, to a frozen telephone pole... You could do deliver, it that way. Yeah. And believe me, you'll double dog dare you to do story it. Way. All right. Yep. You do it again. Yeah. I'll triple dog dare you. <laughs> All right. I think I think that's pretty solid. I mean, that, really, I there's it, nothing I else mean, there. Uh, so if you really want to be creative, just make sure you're familiars, familiars, familiars doing the touch attack, and there you go. I don't think it works that way, but okay. That'd be really interesting if your familiar had a familiar, and that familiar <laughs> also had a familiar. Because would that be your familiar as well? Yeah, it just would be all familiar. Oh, that, that was, was terrible. Bad. I know. I couldn't even laugh All right, that. so here we go. Uh, so Gavin writes in, in AD&D, how much damage do bows do? AD&D. So this would be second edition. This is an easy answer. I would like to say 1D6. Now we're talking, Incorrect. Now we're talking a short bow or a long bow? It just says bow. How much does a bow do? Yes. Boy. Trying to think here because the wording. Uh, this this so is one of my favorite systems, so I know this one pretty well. See, no wonder you think it's so easy. I, yeah. <laughs> so the correct answer is zero. It does. It's the arrow that does the damage in AD and D. Oh, so, so the is this arrow. A quick question. It is a quick kind of a quick, uh, quick question. Who wrote this question? Gavin. Gavin. Yeah. I mean. Well, and I think he. It's probably because <laughs> it's probably because he he doesn't understand it. It does take a little because if you if you've gone from third edition backwards. You know, it can be a little confusing. Yeah, yeah, because the word of the makes sense. Yeah, because the bow it has the damage on the bow, but in the in AD and D, it's based on short arrow, long arrows. It's the arrow that does the damage. So a short arrow is one d six, a long arrow is one d eight, and then a hand crossbow bolt is one d four. Crossbows, you know, again, it's the bolt that does the damage. 
well, reality, so you, they you should be counting the, goals. You take the you, you take the 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 arrow or the 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 bow and you smack somebody over the face with it. <laughs> well, then that's that would, a 1D6. Then that would be considered one d six. Okay. So, so there you go. I know that. that. That's oh, how much damage man. it does. There you go. Some 1d6. I was right. So, yeah. There you go. So, I mean, pretty simple question on that one. But, yes, trick it was question. kind of a trick question, but I think it's because he's gone from a newer system backwards. I thought he was playing a joke on us, which I say, good one, Gavin, actually. Yeah. All right. Touche. So, let me just... That one might be a little bit more time. Let me see if this one's a short one. That one is like, I don't even know if I want to ask that one on air. Okay, here we is go. Is it that bad? Or just that long? Answer, slap okay, the GM. Here we go. So, probably on that one. <laughs> so, Steven writes in. So, I have a question for you guys. My male paladin character wants to marry a chaotic, evil lady magic user. Is this okay? Why not? Um, actually, that hits it right on the head, I think. Okay. Yeah, well, why would it be wrong? If they want to marry each other, they, they may end up in killing each other or getting a divorce or whatever the GM allows. Well, my, my first who question cares? here is, what alignment is this, is this paladin? Yeah, yeah. This paladin because can also be a chaotic paladin. Does that necessarily Well, matter? yeah, it does. Because, I mean, if he's a lawful good paladin... With law, you know, he shouldn't be. He, he, he shouldn't, shouldn't be associating, associating with, a with a chaotic, chaotic evil, evil I mean, character. Completely How wrong. would he have even gotten to the point of wanting to that's marry you? Really good. That's an there even better question. Go. There you go. So it's like, there what? It, it, it doesn't matter if they're at the point of where they're going to get married. I don't think it really matters. Or maybe what it's one of those things where the anyway. guy, the guy, maybe the paladin received like a like a uh, a vision of the future and found out that if they were to get married. Their child would be like the the chosen one that would bring order to chaos. That an, another, I mean, that's and have the heart of the true believer. Yeah. and have the heart of he would have the heart. He would hold the heart of the car. <laughs> <laughs> wow! What? Somebody's got to do it. I mean, what's, imp- what's really important he's gonna, here? He, what he's going to make? He's going to give birth to Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> Yeah. No, he's going to have the heart of the true believer and end up with Peter Pan. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's, I mean, that's the storyline of the current oh, Once Upon a Time, I think. I, I mean, it, this one's kind of a tough call. I don't it, know. I, I would say it's, it's up tough. to the GM because, you know, this is, again, my opinion, me from DMing. Paladins have a strict moral code and that they have to, they have to stick to or they're no longer a paladin. You know, if they're lawful good they shouldn't be associating with a chaotic, evil character. Marrying one, I, mean, that's, I don't know how, that, <laughs> how you could rationalize okay. that god that you worship now saying, hey, that's okay, you can marry this person even though they're going to slaughter an entire village tomorrow. But you, hey, well, that, you don't know see, that. But, see, but that doesn't... What did it say in that question? It said that he wants to marry. Yes. That means that they have been associated with each other. Which means that he couldn't be lawful good if she is chaotic evil. Well, if he's well, not, if again, he's a, if he's a lawful, they were, e- if he's a lawful evil paladin, there's not going to be any problem, no problem with him. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's kind of where the uncertainty at least falls here. Because if he's lawful evil paladin, hey, go for it. You're, you're solid. If you're even a... I don't even know if there's a neutral paladin. I don't, I, I don't <laughs> know. Different <laughs> Challenge accepted. Um, I'm the do paladin. You want to do it? Oh, dude, <laughs> I don't care. The goblins are raiding the town. Um, I don't I'm know gonna that flip one. a coin. 
Well, you know, Ted, the I help you, Tell kind of, I help the goblins. The villagers <laughs> did kind of encroach on the goblins' hunting grounds, yeah. so... Yeah. It's out of my hands, guys. Sorry. Corruption well, started at home. Seriously, just the way you were talking like that, like I'm expecting you to say, do you want any parchment reports about that? So um, I'm just going to have to wait and see who's actually coming up ahead, and I'll probably side with the people on the lower side just to level things up. And then I'll be back on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, go ahead. I don't think it's necessarily that hard. That's... I wouldn't call it that much hard, that hard of a call. My my own experience says that the the code of a paladin, or well, I guess the code of the book paladin, is strict. Mm-hmm. The paladin himself, him or herself, is not. the The paladin is subject to their own vices and whims. Yeah. So there's nothing that says that person cannot have an attraction to someone regardless of their alignment. Mm-hmm. And now, which brings us to the, to the point of alignment doesn't really matter because it's the actions what's important. Because perhaps this paladin has been so successfully influential on this lawful evil or chaotic evil, however it's being mm-hmm. described, person that is actually beginning to change their actions, which at that point then the alignment, it, it's, it's really only evil on paper. Alignment is pretty much, so what you're trying to say is alignment is essentially fluid. Yes. It's not, it's exactly. not necessarily, it it, well, it's, 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 it, I would say it's more of a written. The person in, can change. It's, only, it's written in erasable. Like correction goes yeah. both ways. Yeah. Yes, it it's, does. It's it not does. etched in stone. A paladin can go evil, or an evil sorceress can go there, good. There are stories of this all over yeah, literature. Um, only in a computer game does your alignment become static. Yeah. Through the well, course of the telling, the telling of the story, the actions of the, of the players and the interactions between the players, mm-hmm. that is what truly dictates who can do what. Well, and here's another question that just kind of came to my mind. Does the paladin know that this character is chaotic evil? Doesn't Maybe. matter. Well, I know. I know that doesn't matter, but I'm, I'm kind of saying this back to Steven. Mm-hmm. You know, because if he doesn't, he's yeah, he's going to want to. This character is going to want to pursue it because, as far as he knows, this character knows this person is someone good. I would good. They're doing. Or, then they're probably doing yeah. a, going to some great lengths to ensure that they are staying hidden yeah. because a, well, because and, a paladin yeah. can detect evil at all times. Yeah. Women are resourceful though. You can't really count them out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cloaking spell. I'm sure there are spells and stuff like that. You know, and maybe maybe. This chaotic evil uh, lady magic user's goal is to destroy this paladin. Even awesome. That's, that's and, even and that's more a great awesome. storyline. Yeah, right there. Man, maybe you'll be a better. Maybe this will be like a better fall of a Jedi than Hayden Christensen. Man. Oh yeah, I, uh, it's got to anything's so, got to be better than that. So, Gavin, <laughs> Steven. Steven, Steven, Godspeed. I would that's say. All I'm gonna say, man. I would say, let these guys role play it out. Absolutely. You know, it I would, sounds like a possibility yeah. of a really good story. Now, yeah. I would say, I, I will give it this stipulation, though. If it's a romantic tie that the characters are wanting to create because the actual players are romantically involved, then get rid of it. Stop that yeah. immediately. Yeah, yes. that noise. You do not need a high elf marrying a drow. It's not going to happen. 
Well, <laughs> well, if it does, there has you want to be outside yeah, problems to come to be, inside the game. It can't, it can't <laughs> just be yeah. I met you and I am just oogly goggly in love with you. Oh my gosh, I can't die. I cannot live without you because we're already going. We're actually going out in real life, and I just couldn't live if our characters were yeah, also there's, there's, there's not. Have, and we are talking from experience on this one. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you have to. Does so have I to will. I will give. I will give that. I will. I would say I would put that caveat on there. If they are, if these two characters are wanting to pursue this as kind of a entertaining way to uh, role play out to see whether if good will win out with evil or evil will win out with, win out with good, that is awesome. That is great. That is role playing at its heart. Yeah, if high five it, worthy. Yeah, that is high five worthy. That is awesome. If it's to the if it's that they're in a relationship and they just want to make sure that their characters don't cheat on each other, yeah, cut that noise. Cut that as quickly as possible. Oh yeah, I mean because that just and and I honestly just say even if it does kind of make I want to say it kind of makes uh, it, even if it does make sense if it's a lawful good and a lawful good, but the characters are. Already romantically tied, don't ever let them hook up. Yeah, because all it does it, it just puts a stop to the it, it puts does. a stop to the game. Put, puts a stop to the fun. But you know, it, yeah, if this paladin is lawful good and that you know there's going to be some contention, you know, and let them play that out. And, and who knows? It could make some really good story. Oh man! But I, I do I I do like that yeah, yeah, because um you know from experience that his caused more harm to, to games uh, than anything. I mean, a drow and a centaur. Yeah. You know, well, ultimately, what, it ma- wouldn't what happen. matters, what but, matters yeah. is that the, the real-life, uh, when you tie a real-life relationship into the game relationship, mm-hmm. those lines can be easily blurred. Yeah. Because if they're going to the length of doing that in their game just to, I mean, I guess for whatever reason, mm-hmm. then they're already tying to, they're being too involved mm-hmm. with what, with not... Where um, I guess they're tying their game too closely to their own personal relationship. So what happens if something in the game goes south? Yeah. What happens then? Because then the real life relationship has a very high probability of of falling out as well. Oh. And, it, and if something in real yeah. life happens, that gets brought over into the game and spoils it for everyone. And, and now I'm thinking of another caveat thrown there. If you have any inkling that said evil ma- lady magic user or guy is trying to hook up with that player, kill that too. I mean, yeah, if, you, if you watch Unicorn City, you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Characters know, but... can be singing romantic poems about each other. And, yeah. You know, because, yeah, again, you're going to... It's going to talk yeah. her in-game to woo her over in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Just say, hey, dude, we, this isn't going to work. I mean, just, because keep, it, just keep it outside. Yeah, it's going to move into say, that. I'd probably say best rule of thumb for almost anything when it comes to this is what happens at the table stays Stay at the at table. The table. Yeah. What happens in real life, checked at the door. Yep, that's a good one. All right, I think we've got this one. Uh, we've got about nine minutes left. We're going to hit the, the last Gamer Forge question, which comes from me and me alone. That's what they, they named it. Hello, me and me alone. So I have a very serious question for you guys. Slap the GM. Do real barbarians eat quiche? Yes. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. Because Everybody <laughs> eats preparation quiche. Preparation for a quiche. except for vegans. Preparation for a quiche though is is 
very difficult. I can't believe someone I, wrote in I this don't question. Think, I don't think a, a barbarian really has the patience hey, for Keish. That's neither, why... Neither would I say that they have Keish, that Keish is even a part of their dialect. Hey, you know what? Or diet. <laughs> or a diet. barbarian just has to go into a village where they have prepared the quiche. Then he can eat it. He doesn't have to do any cooking. Why would a barbarian be going into a place that has... Because a, he's rampaging through. not going to be <laughs> raping and pillaging his way across he, that because path. Because they had quiche while they were doing it. He will destroy the quiche. No, he'll be like, oh, he gets a good, chance to eat, eat it. it. <laughs> if he cannot skewer it with a stick... Put it over a fire and eat it off said stick. The barbarian will not partake. <laughs> End of story. The, the barbarian your could have been more refined. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, 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 I see this clearly now. There's a barbarian store in Icewind Dale. There is no barbarian store. That sells quiche because never. it is skewered no. seven times you could with not thick skewer. and yeti bones. There is no way to, to, oh to skewer oh, a quiche so and properly cook it over said fire. It would fall into the flame and hey. be eaten by you the want to, I have to say this. I saw that, and I thought that was the stupidest question, but somehow you've made it entertaining. What can I say? <laughs> Quiche. There could by be barbarian. Impossible. That is, that is just an insult think, to there barbarian. There could be a barbarian out there that slaughters with his pinky eye. Okay, okay. Guys, guys, guys. Firebird's trying to say something, and you guys, I, I can't hear. What was that? I said if it was a female barbarian, the chances are pretty good. If it's a male barbarian, obviously you have to kill it, bash it over the head, skin it, and stick it on a stick and throw it over the fire. Yeah, I don't know. Female barbarians are pretty pretty tough. Pretty manly. They make me look like a pansy. Yeah. (laughs) So they may look at that. They would. I I think the only difference between a female barbarian's uh, dietary uh, supplements as opposed to a male barbarian, they take a bath. They will actually take longer than five minutes to cook their meat over the fire before eating it. They'll make sure that it's black on the outside. Okay. And well done. I, I just say there's no reason a, a barbarian can't have a refined palate. <laughs> well, I mean, it's possible. Look at Wolfstar. You know, Wolfstar's a barbarian, technically. Yeah. He he travels around with Dritz and Caddy exactly. Bree and, and There's no reason why you're getting serious. The he, he, they totally, okay, he totally you, could eat this a is, This is barbarians, plural, <laughs> as in... The the tribe of barbarians, not a singular All barbarian. Right. Hey, Nobody he, says okay. they can't be... about the world. If they can't bash it over the head and throw it on a fire, yeah, if they, they can't. Won't if they can't poke okay. it with a stick and then put it over a fire with said stick. But nobody said that this can't be a tribe of barbarians from the Food Network. <laughs> from the Food Network. I've skewered this boar <laughs> and, doubt, and made sure that I made a nice say, risotto sauce for it. Yes. <laughs> Before hand drained. rubbing it, yep. it with uh, you know, sage and basil. Yeah. But, and <laughs> marinating it in, in Yeti there's, urine there's for no three way. weeks. <laughs> there's no reason why this tribe of barbarians cannot be led by Bobby Flay. I'm All right. <laughs> okay. He does. Have the Bobby Flay. He does. See, even better. The, the, I am Rothgar of the Flay tribe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my we God. We will eat with proper utensils and doilies. Nobody oh, said yeah. they would do it. Yes, our far. stick is cut with a split. 
It's two pronged. Yes. It's two pronged. Yes. And so, like, every, so like every game session, you're like, you you got to bust out a new recipe oh. for, for oh, whatever yeah. it is you're cooking. And you so get you a level up if you get a new recipe that everyone loves. Yeah. So you get Dude, we have just invented a new class. The chef. Barbarian I'm just saying, the I'm barbarian just, chef you know class. Yeah. Yes. Next time I from next the time flame barbarian, I'm doing this. Yeah, you're doing it from the flamer. Tr- no, that's actually kind of not, not PC. Never no, mind. No, 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 no. no. The yeah. chef, the barbarian chef. That is a new class. The barbarian coming chef to class. to you in D and D next. Yeah, 2014. <laughs> Look for it. Everybody. All right, oh my we'll, gosh. We'll, we'll get on. Uh, we'll, we'll get we'll, on we'll we'll them about this. Like, hey, we've got something for you. I think this is going to turn D and D next. From a one billion dollar, uh, one billion sales to one trillion sales. Cotillion, barbarian chef, barbarian chef. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're a genius! All right, okay. okay. We, hey. we got to trademark that good. noise yeah, right now. Got to do it before Food Network gets on. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> barbarian chef. So what will we do with a gnome? We got a barbarian chef. What will we do with a gnome? What can't you do with a gnome? Yeah. No, okay. You can do everything. Oh, you, know, you skim yeah. them. You put a little pepper on them. Maybe <laughs> like, you know, tastes like chicken. Roast it over a fire. He's <laughs> <laughs> still on the barbarian chef. Mode. I I hear right. they're very succulent. All right, we got three minutes left. We got to wrap this show up. Uh, oh, tune in this Thursday to me uh, to listen to our interview with uh, author A. E. Roth, and then next Monday, uh, author Emma Newman will be on this show. And then we're taking a break for Thanksgiving, and then starts our uh, our holiday episodes in December. Uh, like I said, we got Rather Dashing Games coming in. Uh, voice actor Matt Hill, if you don't know who he is, he did uh, Ed, we'll find out. The, the the dumb Ed from Ed, Ed and Eddie, as well as he was in the Raphael suit and Ninja Turtles, uh, and much much more. And then we'll have uh, all around funny guy, author, music extraordinaire Craig Nibo coming on the show. And he might be bringing in his new game, you know, shoot your friend. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a like round. Yeah, yeah. Don't do it prematurely because you know that's just no, 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 yeah. no. I'll, I'll, I'll even provide the gun. No. Oh no, no, we, no, no. we don't encourage murder here. No, 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 no. Just no, killing no. your friend. Hey, it's a it's, game. It's not. It's not murder if it's uh, no. What's the word? No, no, no. No, actually, it's still murder. No, 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 no. Stop. 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 No murder. Uh, uh, there'll be more exciting shows coming in December. We'll be putting those together. We'll be wrapping up the year, and then uh, we'll we be starting rock on New Year. Yeah, we'll be yeah. starting in with 2014, uh, and 2014 is going to be a busy year. So yeah. uh, start getting those Christmas lists ready. Even you're about to buy me more day. stuff. Yeah. As well as, hey, it's Christmas. If you're going to be buying stuff, go buy to the Amazon link. Yeah. Amazon go to the Amazon link. link. All right, we if got you're not going to go to the Amazon link. Send us the gifts. Okay, well, go ahead. <laughs> is it really my time? It is. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, can we say Salt Lake no, in here? I, we can. But there, I'm just so used to saying it. So good night, Salt Lake. Good night, world. And as always, 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 get more from your game. So uh, if you were a Transformer, you'd be a Autobot. And your name would be Optimus Five. Nice. Internet. <laughs> oh, good heavens. <laughs> All right, with that said, if you are a huge Doctor Who fan and a, you know, want to see the 50th anniversary, uh, Dragon's Keep uh, is, probably, put, is, is in Orem. Or uh, in Orem. Is putting together a special viewing of that. Uh, there's going to be pizza and all sorts of stuff. Uh, so get in contact with them, check that out, and sign up for it. There is limited seating. 
and uh, find out how you can be a part of that event and check that out. I mean, if you don't got cable, BBC America, great way to catch this, uh, catch out the uh, the Day of the Doctor this Saturday. And if you don't live in Utah, you know, flying out here. If to you the don't, theater, you know, if not, check out your local theater because they are doing a special showing of the Day of the Doctor yeah, and uh, theaters on Monday the twenty. And I'm pretty sure, isn't it in 3D? So some viewing some will be in some 3D, in 3D so some are not. There you go. So with that said, we will be back this Thursday. Have a good one. Oh, good night. So oh, can, okay, don't. Ciao. You're still gabbing. We're out of here. Have a good one. Good night. Bye.